Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. My guest today is Jordan Bishop. Before we get to Jordan, I want to give some announcements, and that is, of course, the website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there and see photos of our guests, see links to all their social media, and see articles that I've written and some of the guests have written. And also, you can see links to our social media, which is, of course... Instagram, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. Twitter, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There's links to our Facebook page, which is Travel Tales Podcast. And links to Stitcher Radio and iTunes, where you can subscribe. iTunes, if you're on iTunes, please give us a good rating. That helps people find the show because it boosts our presence, and that's a cool thing to do. If you want to write me, it's Travel Tales Podcast at gmail.com. Travel Tales Podcast at gmail.com. All right, let's get to Jordan Bishop. I recorded this via or via, what is right? I never know what's right on that one. Anyway, it's a Skype call. Uh, He was in Thailand when I talked to him. And uh, it was great that we could do it. It's amazing with modern technology that I could record it. But you'll notice uh, a huge difference in my voice, which is recorded by the microphone I'm speaking to uh, into right now. And the recording for Jordan, which I don't know what he was speaking into, but it's a combination of the microphone he was using and uh, the connection because, hey, we're talking across the other side of the world. So it kind of pinpoints one of the reasons why I don't really prefer to do Skype interviews because the sound quality on his end fades in and out. Uh, At first, it sounds just like a regular phone call. Then it sounds kind of like uh, a little better than a phone call, then back to a phone call. Uh, You'll get the drift, what I'm talking about. But my tones are golden on it. So I'm just putting that out there as a disclaimer that uh, I apologize for that. But hey, I do what I can do with what the technology provides. But hey, let's give it up for technology, huh? You're listening to this right now on a device anywhere around the world for free, to a conversation that was recorded with one person in Los Angeles and the other in Thailand. What a world and what an age we live in. So it was a pleasure meeting Jordan, a nice young Canadian fella. Check out his websites, youroyster.com and howitravel.co, and enjoy our conversation via the World Wide Web. You were in Copenhagen, Thailand. That's right, yeah. Uh, are you living there full-time? Uh, yeah, full-time for now. You know how it is. I, yeah. I'm here for you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, something like that. So uh, tell the people uh, where you're from and w- about your website and why you're a travel expert. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, I'm from Toronto, Canada. I've been traveling for the last... 18 or 20 months consecutively. 
And I have two websites. Uh, the first one is called Your Oyster, Y-O-R-E Oyster.com. And that one is a flight hacking website where we help uh, individuals to save a lot of money on their international flights. So that means they're getting cheaper prices than Sky, uh, Skyscanner, cheaper than Kayak, uh, things like that. And the other website is called How I Travel. And that is a publication that profiles the world's most interesting travelers. Right. And so that's how I got to know you. A friend of mine was on it. I think it was Rachel Rudwall, maybe. Yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I went and checked it out. What made you want to do a site uh, that featured other travelers rather than maybe your own travels? Yeah, it's a great question. Like the best answer I can give and, and the truest answer is that there are so many more things you can learn from, you know, a lot of different people than you can learn from just me. Right. Uh, and personally it's a bit of a selfish move because I want to be learning from those people too. So I figure if I can create something that is sharing that knowledge and those travel insights that all of these people have gained over time, um, then I'm going to learn a lot and I can share that with a big audience as well. Well, it's kind of the same uh, with me in terms of the podcast as well. You know, I like to hear other people's stories and maybe they've been to places that I haven't been and maybe they have some uh, expertise that I don't have along the way. And plus, I just like to hear people talk about travel and, you know, as you're probably like me, that I can't uh, get enough of traveling and hearing people uh, talk about places I haven't been because it piques my interest. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. It's a win-win for everyone, I think. So how does a nice Canadian boy find himself in uh, Thailand? How did that happen? <laughs> well, let, let's alter the question. You're making the assumption on the word nice. Well, but yeah, I'll that's let that one fly. Well, that comes with Canadian. <laughs> that usually comes with Canadian. Uh, so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I mean, this is my, I guess this is my third large stint in Thailand. Uh, and I just keep coming back because it's so like living here is so amazing, right? You can achieve such a high quality of life in so many different places here all across Thailand. I've lived in Chiang Mai in the north, uh, which is a big, big hub for people that are running online businesses, etc. And only recently started moving down a little bit into the islands because I was just feeling a little restless up in Chiang Mai. Um, so you missed the beach, didn't you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, oddly enough, I, I did miss the beach. I'm living in a bungalow uh, just a couple minutes away from the workspace that I'm working from here. Um, but between where I live and where I work, it's a five-minute walk down the beach. And I kid you not, it is a nude beach. And there are people out there at all hours of the day. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I really think I have the world's best commute when I can say I have a five-minute walk and it's down a nude beach. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So what? Um, why, I, didn't, I had no idea that Chiang Mai was like the big hub of online businesses. How do you think that happened? Oh, yeah. It, it's huge, actually. Um, <clears throat> so people from I've all been, over the world then? Yeah, absolutely. You'll find... Uh, you know, every country is represented there. People just discovered maybe about 10 or so years ago, uh, or possibly a little bit further, that, that's well before I was into this game, but they discovered that the quality of life there 
can be so high for such a small cost that people that are running businesses that they're bootstrapping, um, they want to find exactly those places where they can work a lot, you know, have solid internet connection, uh, but still do it at a really low price. And Chiang Mai has all of those things. Uh, I think another catalyst as well is that Tim Ferriss mentions it in the four-hour work week as one of the places is that he uh, really thinks is a standout city for basically those exact reasons. And so I know that there was a flood of people that went there after reading that book, and I think it's just kind of continued from there. Right. Well, how now how long have you been, like, if you had add up all your times living in, in Thailand, how long would that be? Like a year, a couple of years? How long have you been there? Uh, no, I think about eight months. Okay. Yeah. When you decided to do this website, what was, aside from, like, hearing people's stories and wanting to get their expertise, what was the biggest challenge so far? I mean, did you, there was, like, a video element you could do. Uh, there's, there's audio like this podcast, but you decided to go more of a print route and, uh, photos. So what made you choose mm -hmm. that? What made you choose that route? Yeah, it's a great question. It actually came about because I wanted to think of a project that I could work on that was going to represent the skills that I wanted to learn personally. And I'm really interested in writing. I've been writing my entire life and I'm very interested in photography as of recently in the last year or two, um, and so I thought, what is the best way for me to become a much better writer and a much better photographer other than surrounding myself with really good writers and really good photographers? So this was kind of the perfect triple header where I could combine like meeting interesting people in the world of travel and also, you know, great writing, great photography, put it into one package. And then personally, I was going to learn a lot from it. So that's why I decided to go with print instead of podcast or instead of video um, because this is the route that I'm more interested in personally. Uh, we'll assume that most people who are listening haven't heard or haven't seen the site yet. So describe it for them. What, what, what's on the site? Yeah. So when you go to the site, it's howitravel.co. Uh, you will be greeted by a host of really interesting people uh, within the world of travel. So, I mean, you mentioned Rachel Rudwall, who yeah. she, she's been around for, for a, a little bit of time now. She is, uh, I, I would say the closest thing you can get to kind of a household name in the world of travel. She's been everywhere, uh, <laughs> representing different companies and, and doing some amazing stuff. Uh, so, you know, that's just one example. I also know that you had Sarah Dandashi on the podcast about yeah, a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. And so we featured her as well. Uh, Sarah is a concierge um, at the London West Hollywood Hotel in Los Angeles, uh, but not just a concierge. She's one of the top concierges in the world uh, as represent or I guess as recognized by Les Clay Door. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, this society of secret keys and things. If you've seen the Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, then... Oh, yeah. We talked about that, all that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, that, that's uh, basically what she's all about. Uh, but then on top of that, we've got, uh, like, let's see. There's a guy named Gareth. He's the, uh, the top Instagrammer in Africa. 
and doing some amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. So there's quite a range of people that you'll find on the site. And I'm just trying to gain some insights from them, learn from them, and not only understand them as a traveler, but understand them as a person so that, uh, you know, so that everyone can connect with them, whether they are on the road or still at home or, or whatever. You should be able to connect with these people and learn from them. And hopefully they'll give you a little push to get out and see a bit more of the world. How uh, has it grown since you started it? What was your launch date and uh, how's it been going for you? Mm-hmm. It launched on the one-year anniversary of Your Oyster, the flights website, um, and that was in September. So it's been going, what is that, seven, maybe eight months now, mm-hmm. give or take. Yeah, and the launch was a lot of fun. We launched with four features and got it on product hunt and things like that. There was quite a bit of excitement around it when it launched. Beyond that, um, you know, this is my first foray into a publication, so I wasn't really sure how it grows or how to manage these sort of uh, these sort of issues of, of getting it in front of a new audience and connecting with our existing audience, all of these things. Um, so I would say in the grand scheme of things, it grew relatively slowly over the next few months, like November or October, November, December, things like that. Uh, but recently it's been growing much, much quicker. And I think it's because I've start, you know, finally started to figure out, I guess, the growth pattern and how to get people engaged and what sort of content our audience is looking for. And I'm slowly refining that better and better. So I think that every post that goes up on the site is a little bit more fine-tuned to what our audience is looking for. Right. So what kind of uh, travel do you adhere to? I mean, are you more of like a uh, camping, backpacking kind of guy, roughing it? Or do you kind of like middle of the road? Are you like a higher-end kind of guy? I guess living in Chiang Mai, you, can't, you can only be so high-end. <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah. but, I mean, where have you uh, – tell me about some of your travels and where you've gone. Yeah, definitely. I would say in response to the first question, I actually – uh, I, I kind of hit the extremes, I would say. Um, I've, I've stayed in some unbelievable hotels and resorts, uh, some of which is fueled by my photography. So I'll, I'll do some photos for them and might get a, a stay compensated, which is amazing. Right. Um, but also, you know, I, two years ago I was in Beijing and, and didn't know what to do. So a friend of mine said, Hey, I hear that in northern China, in some city, I don't remember, uh, you can go and you can ride camels and you can sleep in like a Mongolian yurt and all of this. And I'm, I'm thinking, wow, that sounds amazing. Uh, but I should preface this by saying I really don't like doing research about the places I'm going to. Uh, it kind of makes me cringe when I have to look through TripAdvisor forums or, or something like that. I just feel like they're not catered at all to what I'm looking for. Uh, and people on there are, are generally very uh, conservative of, about all of their trip plans and things like that. So it just doesn't work with me. I like to just be a lot more spontaneous. So with that in mind, I just bought a bus ticket from Beijing, went up to 
basically the northernmost point, uh, the northernmost point of China. It's this tiny town called Erlian, and it's right on the border of China and Mongolia. And I got out there because I knew it was in the middle of the uh, the Gobi Desert. Wow! And, and you, were, you were solo through this. Yeah, yeah. This is all solo. And you speak no Chinese. And, <laughs> no. Okay. No, I was totally confused by Mandarin. So, <laughs> yeah, I show up, and it's very obvious that there are no other foreigners here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm getting the stairs, all of that, which is fine. Um, and I figure I'm in the middle of the desert. I want to sleep in the desert. So my logic is that I'm going to walk uh, as far as I need to until I can't see anything except desert. And then I'm going to – I bought a sleeping bag in Beijing, thank God. Uh, I'm going to roll out my sleeping bag. And I'm going to sleep there. And then the next day, I'm going to come back. I had no tent, nothing else, really, just a sleeping bag. And, you know, I'm thinking this is some sort of great idea. It'll be lots of fun. Uh, <laughs> in, in some regards, it, it was great. Uh, and in other regards, you know, when it was about one or two in the morning and it started pouring down rain, oh. which I didn't expect at all. Uh, but mind you, I also didn't check the weather forecast before I went smart me. Uh, so it, it's pouring down rain. I'm out there in my sleeping bag. My laptop is, is under my back so that hopefully it doesn't get water damage. And I'm shivering like crazy for about four hours until the sun finally rises and it gets a bit warmer. But Ugh. my gosh, that, uh, <laughs> it sounds miserable. I guess that. <laughs> it was. It totally was. Uh, well, I, you know what? I read the book called The Secret. Are you familiar with this one? Yes, I am. Yeah, okay. So for those people that haven't read The Secret, uh, and it, it's been a couple of years for me, so I'll probably butcher this, but it basically, like a big tenet of the book is that you should use like the world's energy and your own internal energy to set intentions of what you want to happen in your life. So, you know, be optimistic, um, think about the things that you want. And if you do that strongly enough, then they will transpire. Right. And so I, I read this the following afternoon or the previous afternoon while I was laying in the desert, just kind of waiting for the sun to set because I had nothing else to do. Uh, and so there I am at two in the morning being poured on, shivering like crazy. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh, this is great. I love this. I'm so happy. I'm <laughs> 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 trying to apply the, the secret itself. And uh, yeah, I, I can't say that it did wonders for me. <laughs> yeah, you can only visualize some shelter so much. <laughs> yeah. You can visualize yeah, an exactly. umbrella. Ooh, I, yeah, I wish I had. Well, how did it turn out? Actually, it does have a happy ending. I walked back into the city. It it was about a four-hour walk. um, That you know, four hours out, four hours back. And when I got back into the city, I looked like a total mess because I had to go through some barbed wire fences to get back. I I guess I got a bit lost, and you know, I had to do that whole thing. So my clothes were a bit ripped. I was kind of wet and just dirty and you know you you can visualize it so i'm just a wreck 
and I'm trying to hitchhike off of these Chinese people. And this one man uh, passes me on the road and I wave at him from behind and he stops and he puts on like puts his van in reverse and opens his door and lets me in. Uh, but he doesn't speak a word of English. So he calls up his sister and his sister speaks decent English and we, we do the three-way translation. Uh, and so she tells me, okay, he's going to bring you to breakfast. He's going to like help you get a hotel and all this. And I'm thinking, great, because uh, I'm, I'm totally screwed otherwise. And it turns out this guy is just the nicest guy. He was actually a prison guard up there. And it just <laughs> – wow. this is what his sister told me. He was taking his break, maybe his lunch break or, or something, uh, from his shift at the prison. <laughs> but mm. then he just spent the next maybe three hours with me. So <laughs> I don't know if maybe I caused like an outbreak at the prison <laughs> or something <laughs> because the guard wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. But an amazing guy. And you know what? This happened to me so many times in different areas of China. Um, and I think it's important to say that because... I know that on a grand scale, and I think probably particularly here in Asia, because we're so close to China and there are a lot of Chinese tourists coming in and out, yeah. they actually have a bad reputation. As oh, yeah. Being, I've seen them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, as, as being rude or just inconsiderate and things like that. Uh, but I can assure you that, you know, at least with my experiences in China, they're the most gracious and helpful people that I could ever imagine. Well, how I still have not been to mainland China, so I'm actually looking forward to getting there one day. Aside from the uh, main places like Shanghai and Beijing, uh, where else would you recommend for people who want to go in Ooh. China? Oh, yeah. I like getting pretty far off of the beaten path. Yeah, sounds like so, it. So, <laughs> yeah. But you know what? If if uh, people are looking for something that's, a, you know, where you can have the comforts that you're accustomed to, uh, the city Xi'an, which is in central China, and it's best known for having the terracotta warriors. Yeah, there. I always wanted to see that. Yeah, uh, that is a great city. I really, really liked it there. Uh, and also, it's, kind of in the middle of a bunch of mountain ranges. Um, there's one in particular called Huashan uh, that is known because it has what's called the world's most dangerous hike. And it's basically some two by fours that are nailed into the side of this like mile high mountain. And you hold on to some chains Oh, I've seen photos of this. Yeah, you've seen it? Yeah, I've seen photos of this. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It looks frightening. It, it, it is frightening, I can tell you. Uh, you are strapped in with, uh, you know, a, a carabiner system or something. Right. So, relatively speaking, you're fairly safe, but you certainly don't feel it when you look over the edge because it is a straight drop. Oh, man. Yeah, that looks really <laughs> scary. I've seen some people post photos of that, and it just, uh, man, I got a height thing, so I don't know. I don't know if I could do it. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> what? Um, hey, you got to push those degrees, right? Yeah. So what do you think it is? I mean, you've obviously been throughout China. You live in Thailand. Um, and I'm sure you've toured other countries in Asia. Uh, what do you think it is about the Asian culture that, or uh, that part of the world, aside from the price of living, uh, that appeals to you so much, you think? Yeah, I think that a big part of it is the air of mystery, actually. Not being able to speak the language, I think is it's a really special place to be. It's a special feeling when you meet people and you know automatically you cannot communicate verbally. You need to communicate in other ways. And it really leads to some deep connections, I think, when you have to make it work uh, in order to communicate or, you know, you have to struggle a little bit. I don't, maybe, maybe there's some deeper meaning behind all this, like the struggle when you first meet someone, but once you overcome it, you kind of achieve something together and that stays with you. Right. So yeah, I, I just really, really like that. Whether it's China or Thailand, what other Asian countries have you been to? Have you been up through Um, Laos and Cambodia and all that? Yeah, I have been there and Vietnam and into Indonesia a lot of them around here in Southeast Asia. Give me the craziest thing you've eaten. Oh, craziest <laughs> thing I've eaten. <laughs> yeah. Um, Have you done the insects? I did a little bit of that in Chiang Mai. Yeah, you know what? I did the insects, um, some some sort of large cricket or something, and I just thought it tasted like wood. I don't know what your experience was. Well, mine, I think it was so um, deep fried and into submission that it could have been anything almost. <laughs> Yeah, maybe some spicy sauce on there or something like that. You fry anything enough and you don't even know what you're getting anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, that's one thing. I actually was seeking out, maybe some listeners might have to cover their ears here, but I was seeking out dog while I was in China. Mm -hmm. And I only found one place or you know, there's, I probably went to a dozen places that would have served it, but their menus were in Mandarin. I found <laughs> one place with an English menu that said it had dog, and I asked for it, but they didn't have it that day, they said. Oh. So, yeah. Just out of what curiosity, right? And not, not any big... I'm kind of fascinated by it. You know, it just seems weird, but kind of interested to know yeah. what, it, what it would taste like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so I don't know. I, I, I missed out on that. Have you had any? Have any you had, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say maybe some of the alcohols oh, are yeah. the, the really weird things. Yeah. Uh, people, you know, when, when you can't talk to people, I guess they just love getting you drunk because this happens all the time to me. Meet someone, like usually an older person, maybe 50-year-old man or woman or something, you can't talk, and then they just bring out the booze. Yeah. And they love just seeing you get a little bit sloshed. (laughs) (laughs) Are you, as a uh, Canadian, one of those uh, guys that uh, have the Canadian flag all over your uh, shirts and bags so people don't think you're American? (laughs) Uh, No, actually. I'm on to your little secret. I know how how you guys (laughs) operate. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, hey, if, <laughs> I hear there's a big flood of Americans that want to come across the border oh, if it'll a happen. certain candidate is elected. Sure. 
You saved some yeah. room for me on the so, beach over uh, there. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Well, if there are any, you know, American ladies that are looking for a Canadian husband or something, <laughs> I, I might know a few in the market. Right. So I, as a... Uh, as a foreigner living in Thailand, what are the visa requirements there for people who are thinking about maybe, uh, you know, every so often I'll have a fantasy of dropping it all and just moving to Thailand. And I've met so many uh, expats there as well. I mean, do you have to, is it one of those things you have to leave every six months to go and do a, like a passport run or a visa run or something like that? <laughs> oh, Mike, I wish I could stay here for six months. <laughs> oh, really? What, how does that work? Yeah, so it differs a little bit for different countries, but I think for, uh, you know, like G8 sort of countries, uh, the requirements are fairly similar. And you can get a, it's a six-month visa, um, but you have to leave, let me think, you have to leave every three months, and then you can come right back in. Right. Now, basically what that means is if you leave at the end of three months and then you leave again at the end of six months, you can actually come back in once more as long as it's before the, like the six month, the 180th day or whatever, and you can stay another three months. So if you take off a couple of days or or two um, just to make it all work, you can basically stay for nine months, but you have to get a special visa for that and you have to get it in your home country. This is all new, by the way. Oh. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I realize that sounds a little bit confusing, but for people that are just coming here as tourists, then they'll probably just get the 30-day visa, which you get on arrival. Right. And if you need to, you can extend that visa by going to one of these visa offices, and then they'll give you another 30 days. So you can stay here for up to 60 days pretty easily. Yeah. Well, technically, you're kind of working. So is is there laws against you making money there? I mean, do you have to get a special visa for that? (laughs) Yeah. Let's let's not tell anyone about that because there are some laws and the Thai government is starting to crack down on it a little bit. Um, So, yeah, I, I actually don't know what their stance is completely on having the Westerners come in and use it as a base for work because on the one hand, like we're driving up prices for the Thai people. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I think that the overall like standard of living is probably accelerating much more quickly than it would otherwise. So I don't really know whether it's good or bad. And I don't know whether the government has established an opinion either. So they're being a little bit observant, I think, right now to see how things go, and they'll probably make some legislation in the next couple of years. How's your uh, Thai? Have you uh, picked up any of the language? Oh, gosh. No, it, it is horrible. I'm actually <laughs> embarrassed. <laughs> I told you I've been here for seven or eight months, and you, you wouldn't believe me if you came here and saw me communicate. It is awful. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe it. Mine would be worse. I've been there like four yeah. or five times. It's still nothing. Yeah, totally. I mean, have you been able to pick up languages in different countries that you've been to? No, I mean, I try to get the basics before I go anywhere. You know, hello, goodbye, thank you, that kind of stuff. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, Sawadee, I know that, right? 
something yeah, like that. Yeah, you nailed it. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's and then I'm tapped out. I got nothing. So yeah, you know, it's pretty bad. And 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 Ty, especially from people I've talked to, live there. I mean, you could say something. The same word can be said five different ways, just on how you put the accent and the emphasis. That it's really confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I, I wonder if people say the same thing about English. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, we have a lot of words that are the same through, through, and through that can be, you know, th- three yeah. different ways and stuff like that. But the subtleties of uh, the language, I think Chinese is like this as well. I mean, it, it will sound the same, but it's different. Like to our ear, it'll sound the same, but them, it will mean something completely different. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's just tough. It is tough. Yeah. I, a friend of mine has been teaching English in China for the last year. And we met up in Hong Kong a couple of months ago. And she was teaching me uh, the numbers in Mandarin. And I, I've been trying a little bit to, to uh, you know, just get a tiny little bit into Mandarin um, so that maybe I can go back there and, and be less useless at communicating than I am here in Thailand. But gosh, it's, yeah. I mean, that stuff just goes in one ear and out the other, yeah. I swear. Yeah. Well, what part of yeah. the world have you uh, not been to that you always wanted to go to? Uh, that's, uh, there, there are regions. I mean, last year I was lucky enough to go to six continents. So that wow. was really awesome. Uh, but, you know, of course whenever you do something like that in such a short period of time, it was very quick in each place. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the regions that I haven't explored as much as I would like to Eastern Europe, I would say yeah, there are, you know, I, I think it really flies under the radar over there. Everyone's all about Western Europe. Let's go to Italy. Let's blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I'd much rather go to the places that are under the radar that don't have reviews yet. People don't know really what's going on yet. I want to be the trailblazer there and just kind of figure it out on my own. I think that's a lot more fun. <laughs> how, <laughs> how old of a guy are you? I'm 24. Oh, okay. So you haven't been doing this that long. No, I, I've been traveling for, you know, I, I went for a small trip and then I came back to Toronto for a bit. But overall, I went on my first trip just over two years ago. So right after university? Yeah, basically. Okay. Did you go to school up in uh, Toronto, up by there? Yeah. There's a, there's a business school about an hour outside of Toronto called Wilfrid Laurier University. That's okay. where I went to school. All right. Yeah. I had friends in Guelph. Oh, okay. Not many people Guelph can say that. Is, but... uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's right next door to where I went to school. We we would go there all the time. Okay. It's a good little party town. I'm, I'm sure really? uh, if you've been there, you would know. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> no, I've never been. I have to go. The uh, so yeah. is it tough to get uh, the hockey games in Thailand? Uh, you know what? <laughs> oh, I feel I'm I'm being the worst Canadian right now. I don't have the the flags and stuff on my backpack. And I don't watch hockey. Oh, man. Say so you didn't leave on your own. They kicked you out. <laughs> yeah, seriously. They should have if they didn't anyway. <laughs> uh, you, the only hockey I really watch is Olympics. 
because mm-hmm. that makes me extremely patriotic. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. But <laughs> the winter, yeah, I don't really care about the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, so, I mean, do you think, how have you changed as a person you think living, uh, abroad? I mean, how has it changed you? Yeah. Great question. I think that I am a lot more open to spontaneity and I'm okay. I I guess I have this mindset where nothing that happens to me is really going to be like so detrimental that I even need to take that much care to avoid it. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I uh, I just kind of do what I feel like doing, and if negative consequences come about, then you know I think that I have the the fortitude to kind of push through it, whatever it is. Because you know I've run into some some pretty dire situations being on the road, uh, like losing valuable. Uh, you know, like losing my camera and my phone and things like that and being in China in the middle of nowhere and can't talk to anyone. And, you know, the list goes on and on. But every time I figure it out, it's usually because locals will help me. And at the end of the day, I look back on it and I think, you know what, that wasn't that bad. And it was kind of a lot of fun. <laughs> give me an example of, uh, <laughs> give me one of those things. You say you lost your phone or do you, have you had anything stolen or any run-ins with thieves or been held up or anywhere? Yeah. yeah oh here we go. Time. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I've actually never told this story before, but I think I'm, I'm ready to do it now. All right. Uh, Travel it. Tales exclusive. Yeah, exclusive. Here we go. I haven't told it before because I've been embarrassed, quite frankly. And also because I don't want to portray negative about the places that I've been unless I actually think that I should portray negative. So um, this is in a in a place that I love in, in Buenos Aires in Argentina. Oh, sure. I love that um, town. Yeah, it's amazing. And I would move back there in a heartbeat. So it's a great place. Uh, So you were living there? I was living there in July of 2015. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I was staying at some Airbnbs. I had a great place there. I was loving it. And one day I decided I'm going to go to this area called La Boca. Oh and yeah, I went to I went to two Boca Juniors uh football matches there. <laughs> okay. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, it can be a little bit of a rough area. As I learned. Yeah. As I learned. But it's also a very touristy area, right? Because of all the colored homes there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's it's pretty cool. But it's a small area and it's touristy, and I went there on a bus. And I looked around for 30 minutes or something, and then I kind of thought, okay, I'm done here. I was, I was a little bit disappointed, to be honest. Um, but I just thought, you know what, that's fine. I had already figured out a place I wanted to go for lunch. So I looked it up on Google Maps. It said it was a 35-minute walk or something. And I knew the route. It was just around the water. So I just need to hug the water, and then I'll get there. 
So I start walking, I pop in my earphones and I'm listening to this long form journalism. It's uh, I remember it distinctly. It was an article about Elon Musk and SpaceX and everything he's doing there. It's pretty good. I'm a big fan of his. So yeah. I was really into this. Yeah, I'm, I'm jamming out. I'm hearing about Elon and how he's changing the world and all this. And all of a sudden, uh, in front of me, this like young man appears kind of out of nowhere. And because I was just walking, kind of had my head arced a little bit down. You know how we walk just to kind of see what's next in the footpath. Uh-huh. Uh, but this guy comes out of nowhere. And so I go to sidestep him just to walk around and keep walking. And he grabs me by, I guess, like right below my collar on my shirt, right? So I grabs the shirt on my chest with one hand. And then with his right hand, he just gives me this big, powerful punch right to my face. Wow. And I'm like, yeah. And, you know, I I was completely taken aback. And it's interesting, actually. I think that... The, like my brain, my body actually like kind of blacked out for a split second or maybe just removed it from my memory entirely because I remember him, I remember seeing his arm come out for a punch and then I was immediately on the ground. I don't remember falling or, or whatever. I was on the ground already. And I've got, let me see, I've got my hand which is wrapped around my camera bag. I had a camera, which was, it's the exact same one that I have now. I, I bought another one. It's a Pentax K50. Uh, it's like a mid-range DSLR, but I love it. And I had tons of great photos on there. And so I'm, I'm holding on to this thing and I'm looking up in the sky and I can see four bodies around me, you know, four guys standing up. And I could feel that they had already taking the phone out of my pocket and I'm having this mini tug of war with one of the guys over the camera bag and they were shouting something in Spanish, but you know how my languages are. I have no idea what's going on. So, uh, anyway, I could tell it was aggressive. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. Oh, this is scary. So yeah, it was very scary, but again, you know, I'm, I'm surprised at how the body or the brain or whatever it is reacts in these situations because I was doing this tug of war with my right hand. My left hand was just kind of doing nothing Mm. and we're pulling back and forth. And then I get hit in the face again by one of the other guys, bang. And my body doesn't let go. It, It keeps pulling. And then I get hit again and I keep pulling and then I get hit a third time so the fourth time overall, once while yeah. I'm standing three on the ground and then immediately let go. But what's really interesting, I think, is that I didn't feel any pain from that. It was just an instinct for my body to let go of the bag at that time, as if the body was saying, okay, that's enough. Right. You have to let go now. It, I, I always thought that that was uh, like, I don't understand it, but I just think it's so interesting. And so they grab my camera bag. So they have my phone now, my camera now, and these guys run off. And so I'm lying on the ground and I, I take a couple seconds to stand up, but because I'm not feeling any pain, I'm like, okay, I I'm getting into action mode here. So I should say I'm a pretty fast runner. I used to compete in track and stuff like at a pretty high level track and cross country. So I start sprinting after these guys and 
three of them go into this old abandoned house. And when I say abandoned, I mean, it's basically just a concrete structure with no roof and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's very clear that they know this area well. So they climb up this ladder immediately. And one of the guys just disappears somewhere else. Um, and so I make a move to go up the ladder, but then I see them standing at the top and they start throwing rocks down at me first. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually when I say small rocks, I'm talking like maybe golf ball size to tennis ball size. Ugh. And they're not really doing it with the intention to hurt me at that point, but I see it. And I, you know, of course at this stage, I'm just all adrenaline. Uh, logic and rationale, I left that 100 meters behind. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going up this ladder. And then I look up again, and there's a guy holding a cinder block. Oh, Jesus. And, and just go, just let it go. Yeah, when I think, okay, like logic hit me like a ton of bricks. Thankfully, it wasn't a ton of bricks. Uh, and I just thought, okay, I got to cut my losses here. And so I, I just got out of there and... Yeah, that that was that. Oh man! So you lost your camera, you lost your uh, phone. Mm-hmm. How long did it take to get it? Like replace this stuff? Or did, I mean, I'm sure the cops were no help. Did you even see them? Yeah, I went to the police and I got a police report, um, which I had to get a little bit of medical stuff done. So the police report was good for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. You know, my items were gone and it took me maybe a month or a month. Yeah, probably about a month to get it back because I had a friend coming from the U.S. that I was meeting in Colombia. So he brought me some stuff down from Amazon, which was really nice. Hmm. Uh, But yeah, it, it was kind of a poor situation. But I think it's important to say that, yeah, this happened and it was a bad situation. But at the same time, you know, I make myself really vulnerable when I travel. And <laughs> this is one of those examples. But there are a hundred other examples when I've been very vulnerable traveling and nothing bad has happened. Only good things have happened from right. that. So the way that I see it is that if this, you know, for lack of a better word, if this experience has to be a sort of tax that I have to pay in order to allow myself to continue being vulnerable and having these amazing experiences. You know, like if I wasn't being vulnerable, I wouldn't sleep in the middle of the desert in China and I wouldn't show up at random people's doors asking them if I can sleep there. And, you know, all of these things, I would miss out on so many amazing experiences. So I'm actually okay with this being that one little tax that I have to pay once every two years, because if the rest of those two years are full of magical experiences because of my vulnerability, I'll take it any day of the week. You're right. Boy, well, at least you're you made it out of one piece. You could have gotten really hurt, or worse. <laughs> yeah, you know. Does something like renters insurance or uh, travel insurance cover anything like that? I don't even know. Um, like crime you mean for the the items themselves. Yeah, like theft and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you bought something with your American Express, let's say in the last six months maybe or three months or something, then they'll usually cover it for that. Right. But I had bought this stuff, you know, a year or more before, so it didn't fall under the coverage. 
Uh, but you, you can get special insurance for your items, which I, I've thought about, but I haven't actually done yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, the bright side, and if but you have to go to the doctor in Argentina, it costs you nothing. Yeah. Exactly. But you're Canadian. You're used to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true, I suppose. <laughs> it's hard to top that story. That's pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, that's the exclusive. There you go. Wow. You heard it here first. Careful walking <laughs> through Boca. But aside from that, yeah. I mean, uh, I like Buenos Aires is always one of those cities that I thought when I was there, I was like, man, I could live here for six months. That'd be mm-hmm. nice. But uh, the only thing that I didn't, I got just uh, tired of the food after a while just because it was, it was so much steak and empanadas and pizza. <laughs> Between those three things, oh. I, I couldn't see either of them after a week. <laughs> oh. oh, man. Well, hey, put yourself in my shoes. I know you're only, uh, you know, a hair older, but as a 24-year-old <laughs> yeah. guy, I'm I'm going down and they're serving me steak and pizza. I'm like, yeah. Why would I ever leave? <laughs> but the food in Thailand is it's no contest. It's so much better. It's so good. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing here. It's a food paradise. Absolutely. Well, what is your uh, what's your plan now for the next uh, year or two? To stay there? To uh, you're going to try to build the site more? I'm sure. But uh, where are you going to end up? Where do you think? Definitely building out the site. That's that's my main focus. But in terms of my own travels, I've got some stuff planned. Uh, I'd like to spend the summer in Europe, and I've got quite a few friends that will be doing the same. Mm-hmm. I think that's just a smart thing to do, right? Go back to the Northern Hemisphere. I, I've lived in the U.S. and obviously lived a bunch in Canada, so I don't really have the urge to go there. But Europe, I'm just, I want to explore. Yeah. And. Beyond that, I am going to Africa. Actually, I haven't told anyone this either. So, geez, I'm. Wow. I, I don't know. Another I exclusive. So much. <laughs> yeah. I, I like to keep these things relatively low just because the plans are subject to change and things, but these flights are booked, so they're not changing. Um, I, I found an exceptional flight going from Rome into Tanzania and then going back from Cape Town to Toronto. It was something like I paid four hundred dollars for it for the whole thing. Oh wow, that's amazing! Yeah, so who am I to say no to that, right? Well, well you're gonna love Tanzania and Cape Town. Cape Town is uh, gorgeous, and Tanzania. Mm. I was just there a couple of years ago. I just I uh, climbed uh, Kilimanjaro, Ooh. and did a safari. Wow. Yeah, and the Serengeti, and so you're gonna love it. Can't wait. What yeah. uh, What was your experience like on Mount Kilimanjaro? Uh, it's not a technical climb. I mean, you could walk it. It's a trail. It's just the altitude mm-hmm. that, that gets everybody. That's the hard thing. You know, the altitude is okay. what gets it. You know, and after about 15,000 feet, I found that it, uh, you know, it affected me. But uh, I did it, you know. Got cold at the top, but I did it. Uh, you, you know, you're okay. a young man in decent shape. You'll be fine. You know, just, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all about the altitude, really. If you can handle yeah. that, you know, and, you know, the slower you go, the better. So don't be fooled in by, like, we're the quickest way up the mountain. Well, that's not a good thing because, <laughs> you know, you got to give your body time to, to adjust. So Yeah, but uh, I, I totally believe it. I yeah. was in Cusco in Peru. Yeah, uh, right. Right after Buenos Aires, actually. So July, August sort of time frame last year. And I got hit so hard with the altitude. I, it, you know, it totally caught me off guard. The first night I went there, 
I yeah. was with a guy that I met in the airport, this really nice Peruvian guy who was there for a wedding. And he had some friends in Cusco. So he's like, yeah, let's go drinking. We're going to go partying. I'm like, yeah, this will be great. <laughs> and we start having some of this Peruvian alcohol. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't even describe what it was like. You know, <laughs> the world was, was definitely spinning around me, but I couldn't stand. I couldn't even really keep my shirt on, even though it was really cold there. You know, it's the height of winter there, but I was burning up so much <laughs> that I'm kind of sitting there. <laughs> I'm sitting there with my shirt off in the middle of a really cold place and the world is spinning around me and I'm just wishing it's going to end. Yeah. That's a, Do you have the coca tea? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know what? That might have been what it was. Yeah. Would that do that to me? No, the coca tea is what they give people when they have altitude sickness. It, that's what the locals have. It's like the old remedy. Uh, and it's got, you know, a little, okay. they say a little cocaine in it or whatever. Oof. But, um, you know, it's small traces. I mean, same plant. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's the local remedy for altitude sickness. But it's very common there. So, but again, you just add for a few days, your body adjusts a little better, you know. It's mm -hmm. just, uh, but the mountain's the same way. But so the slower the better. But uh, hey, I've got all the time in the world. <laughs> yeah, you do. Um, but man, I appreciate. I'm glad you could do this, and I don't know what time it is there. What time is it there? Uh, it is almost eight a.m. Oh, okay. You're the next day. You're already a day ahead. You're in the future. Yeah, yeah. Should I won't <laughs> tell you what's going on here, but it's pretty awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. Well. Uh, Tell people, uh, again, where uh, the websites and where they can uh, see your stuff. Definitely. So the two websites, the flight hacking website for getting cheap international flights is called Your Oyster, Y-O-R-E, oyster.com. And the publication that we are chatting about is called How I Travel, and that is howitravel.co. What does Your Oyster mean? The world is your oyster? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a play on that. Uh-huh. How come you went Y-O-R-E? Oh, you know how domains are. <laughs> you can't get bio UR. Someone's right. plotting on that, and they are never giving it up. Now, are you on uh, Instagram and as well and Twitter? Yeah, yeah. For me personally, I'm on yeah Instagram, Twitter. I don't do too much outside of that, I guess. But okay, I and really like Instagram. What are your handles and, under on, on those? Yeah, on basically every network, I am. Uh, it's just my name without the vowels, so J-R-D-N-B-S-H-P. Well, great. Hey, man, I'm glad you could do this, and it was, uh, it was a pleasure meeting you. Yeah, you too, Mike. And thanks, thanks so much. Thanks for waking up early. Hey, anytime. <laughs> I'll do it for this anytime. All right, be safe there. <laughs> okay. Get a, si get a $6 <laughs> massage for me. Woo I might get two just because you asked. Oh, I, I'm so jealous. <laughs> Got right. it, Mike. Anytime. All right, man. Thanks. Okay, no problem. <laughs>